1: and welcome to the Industrial Alliance Third Quarter Earnings Results Conference Call. During the presentation, all participants will be in a listen-only mode. Afterwards, we will conduct a question-and-answer session. At that time, if you have a question, please press the 1 followed by the 4 on your telephone. If at any time during the conference you need to reach an operator, please press star 0. As a reminder, this conference is being recorded on Wednesday, November 3rd, 2021. I would now like to turn the conference over to Marie-Anique Bonneau, Head of Investor Relations. Please go ahead.
0: Good afternoon and welcome to our third quarter conference call. All our Q3 documents, including press release, slides for this conference call, md and and supplementary information package are posted in the Investor Relations section of our website at ia.ca. This conference call is open to the financial community, the media, and the public. I remind you that the question period is reserved for financial analysts. A recording of this call will be available for one week starting this evening. The archive webcast will be available for 90 days, and a transcript will be available on our website in the next week. I draw your attention to the forward-looking statement at the end of the slide package. A detailed discussion of the company's risk is provided in our 2020 MD&A, available on SEDAR and on our website. I will now turn the call over to Denis Ricard, President and
2: CEO. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us on the call today. As usual, I will start by introducing everyone attending the call on behalf of IA. First, Jacques Potvin, Chief Actuary and CFO. Mike Stickney, Chief Growth Officer and responsible, among other things, for our our U.S. operations. Alain Bergeron, Chief Investment Officer. René Laflamme, in charge of individual insurance and savings. Sean O'Brien, responsible for our mutual fund business and wealth management distribution affiliates. François Blais, in charge of dealer services. Special Markets, and IE Auto & Home, and Eric Jobin, responsible of our group businesses. IE Financial Group's third quarter results released this morning are solid and exceed expectations in many respects. They are a very good indication of the soundness and robustness of our business model. Indeed, as we continue to be focused on the execution of our strategy, sales momentum remains very strong, The investment portfolio and financial position are robust, and profitability is very high. Slide four presents six key performance indicators. All of them are very solid. Starting with profitability, core EPS of $2.23 for the quarter is again above guidance. This result raises the profit for the first nine months of the year to $6.31, which is 21 cents above the top end of our year-to-date target range. Core ROE of 14% is at the top of guidance and in the middle of the mid-term target range of 13 to 15% that we wish to move forward by 2023, as announced at our March 2021 investor event. This metric is on a trailing 12-month basis and demonstrates the strength of our last four quarters. The next two metrics are reflective of our tremendous growth momentum. First, premium and deposits total a solid $4.1 billion, up 4% above a very strong quarter last year. As of AUM, of more than $214 billion, it represents a significant 15% increase over the last 12 months. Our capital position is solid with a 131% solvency ratio up by one percentage point, to which should be added our distinctive market protection, now equivalent, to eight percentage points. Finally, we place great emphasis on growth in our book value, since it represents the actual value added for our shareholders. This ratio, which has been growing on average by 10% per year for over 20 years, has increased by 12% in the last 12 months, a great performance. Now turning to slide five, which illustrates our business mix. Starting with foundation businesses, in which we already have a well-established leadership position, individual insurance, wealth management, and dealer services in Canada all exceeded profit expectations in Q3. As for sales, the very strong momentum continued in individual insurance and for net fund entries in wealth management. As you know, our strength in distribution our high-performance digital tools, and our broad product offering are the main factors supporting our success in retail insurance and wealth. In our support businesses, I want to highlight another quarter of strong profitability from IE Auto & Home, our Quebec PNC affiliate. In addition to its contribution to the company's profitability, IE Auto & Home, like our other support businesses, is a source of synergies. With this in mind, and to offer our clients outside of Quebec easier access to PNC products, we announced yesterday the acquisition of 70% of Shurex. Mike will comment further on this acquisition in the next few minutes. Finally, our expansion activities, which are our distinctive activities with high growth potential, performed well in the third quarter. Northworthy are the sales in the U.S. Dealer Services Division which grew by 33% year-over-year. In the context of low-car inventory, this result confirms the growth potential of this market. We continue to execute our digital strategy, a multifaceted program that includes a 360 client view, operational efficiency, and talent development. By bringing together IT, client experience, and employee experience under the responsibility of Pierre Miron, As Chief Transformation Officer, we've put in place key conditions for success as we move forward with this project. On another note, employees are essential to IE's success, and we are committed to being an employer of choice. This is why, as announced in August, we've opted for a hybrid and flexible approach to post-pandemic work, an innovative approach that was recently recognized by the Healthy Enterprises Group. In closing, as the COP26 conference unfolds, a word on ESG. Participating in the global effort to mitigate climate change is a priority of our sustainable uh, development program. In addition to being carbon neutral since 2020, we're working to achieve our greenhouse gas reduction targets while analyzing how we can go even further. I will now let Mike comment further on business growth following Mike's remark Jacques will provide more information on our Q3 earnings and financial strength I will pass it over to Mike
3: thank you uh, thank you Denis and uh, good afternoon everyone with double-digit business growth in several of the group's sectors Q3 sales matched the performance recorded in previous quarters Sales were solid, even when compared to a very strong third quarter in 2020, thanks to diversified business mix that allows for synergies and complementary products sold between business units. Individual insurance and wealth management added another great performance to their recent string of successes. We also saw strong results from U.S. dealer services despite the low vehicle inventory environment. These results further confirm the strong growth potential of this segment, which contributes to the increasing proportion of Capitalite products in our business mix. Now, please uh, refer to slide seven, as I will comment on a Q3 sales results by line of business. In individual insurance, strong momentum with total sales of $68 million during the third quarter, a substantial increase of 28% year over year that further cements our leading position in the mass-slash-mid market. Again this quarter growth was supported by the combination of three factors: strength of our distribution networks, the superior performance of our digital tools, and our comprehensive range of products. In fact, this was recently recognized by the industry when I ranked number 1 overall in the in the advisor perception survey for the very first time. Now, looking at group insurance, employee plan sales amounted to $19 million compared to $26 million for the same period last year. As you know, sales in this sector tend to vary considerably from one quarter to another, depending on the size of the contract sold. In the Canadian Dealer Services Division, sales of $300 million are similar to those of $310 million from a year ago, a good performance in the context of vehicle inventory shortages. In the Special Markets Division, sales were up 20% year over year, driven by the sales of AD&D and critical illness. In the U.S. now, individual insurance sales of $34 million were similar to those of a very strong quarter last year and are up 6% year-over-year over year for the first nine months of the year. In the dealer services division of our U.S. operations, sales were 33% higher than last year, resisting the industry's inventory challenges. These very good results are mainly attributable to the strong synergies between DAC and IAS. Note that the persisting low vehicle inventory situation is expected to impact sales for the remainder of the year for both dealer services divisions, both Canada and the US. Now turning to slide eight for individual wealth management, guaranteed product sales continue to be good, totaling $213 million. Looking at segregated funds, the company continued to strengthen its position in the industry and ranked first in net sales for the first eight months of the year. Gross segregated fund sales exceeded $1.1 billion, up 58% year-over-year, while net sales totaled $839 million for the quarter, more than doubling year-over-year. As with individual insurance sales, distribution networks and digital tools have been the key to our success. Now we are enhancing our product offering with the addition of four new global segregated funds, as recently announced to the market. As for mutual funds, Sales growth was also excellent thanks to the strong performance of the fund lineup. Indeed, gross sales were up 21% year-over-year, and net sales recorded solid inflows of $261 million for the quarter, showing continued momentum and bringing net sales close to $1 billion on a year-to-date basis. In group savings and retirement, very good sales of $810 million compare with those of $1.2 billion a year earlier, when a major insured annuity contract was signed. Finally, direct written premium in our PNC affiliate, iHome and Auto, continued their steady growth and increased 7% year over year. Overall premiums and deposits totaled more than 4 billion dollars during the third quarter, driven by the wealth the individual wealth management sector. In addition, growth of the financial markets and solid net inflows of funds propelled assets under management and administration To a record level and resulted in a 15% increase year over year. Turning to slide nine, as introduced by Denis, we've just announced the acquisition of 70% of a digital PNC distributor named Surex Direct. This acquisition has a high strategic value because of Surex's digital expertise and distribution capabilities. It is also a good strategic fit as Surex will act as a as a growth generator for the other business units giving our clients access to the PNC market across Canada, Surex further enhances our well-established strengths in distribution, product shelf and digital tools. In addition, it is a capital A business expected to contribute to the ROE expansion of the company. I will now turn it over to Jacques to comment on Q3 earnings and capital strength.:
4: Good morning, Mike, and good afternoon, everyone. Again, this quarter results were strong and earnings were above expectations. Starting with slide 11, which compares our results with the guidance that was provided at the beginning of the year and on which you can see that both for Q3 and year-to-date results are generally in line with or better-than guidance. This is true for Core EPS as well as for Core ROE for the trading 12 months, a key metric that we aim to increase. Core ROE is currently at the very top of our guidance range, owing to our solid performance in the last 12 months. Also, both organic capital generation and the solvency ratio are above guidance. Finally, The dividend payout ratio reflects the combined effect of current regulatory restrictions, prohibiting dividend increases, and our good profitability. Now, refer to slide 12, on which we compare core earnings to reported earnings. Overall, the impact of markets was nil this quarter, and the only adjustments were for IES integration costs, which were slightly higher than expected. And amortization of acquisition related intangible assets and non core pension expenses, which were close to expectation. Slide 13 presents the source of earnings for Q3 results on a core basis. First, when adjusted to exclude Q2 2020 IAS expected profit, which as you may recall, was recorded together with the results of the third quarter of 2020, core expected profit of $255 million for Q3 2021 is up 11% year-over-year. Year. This increase in expected profit can be explained essentially by organic growth, mainly high net fund entries, and the favorable impact of financial markets. In addition, policyholder experience gains contributed to the strong profitability with a 6 EPS gain. Experience was particularly favorable for individual insurance and dealer services in Canada. For more details regarding policyholder experience by sector, please refer to slide 22 in the appendices, where you will note that an experience loss was recorded in our U.S. Dealer Services Division in Q3, a provision for sales bonuses due to the strong year-to-date sales, slightly higher claims, and timing of revenues explain this result. The letter has come about as we harmonize and refine the practices across the units of this division. This exercise, which will shortly be completed, brings some temporary volatility in the results of our U.S. dealer services. More specifically, the impact was a little negative in Q3, but the finalization of these refinements, should result in a positive adjustment for year-to-date results that will be recognized in Q4. Overall, year-to-date core experience for this division has been better than expected. The next item in the source of earnings is the impact of new business, which, with a strain of 3% for Q3 and 2% year-to-date, is very close to expectation being in the middle of our target range. IAE uses a conservative approach to manage the impact of new business, and we are pleased with the current level of strain close to zero, particularly as we prepare to transition to IFRS 17. Income capital was higher than expected in Q3, resulting in a 10-cent EPS gain. This result is essentially attributable to the very favorable experience from our PNC affiliate IA Auto and Home, mainly due to lower claim ratio, mostly from home protection. Finally, income taxes were within guidance, but slightly higher than expected, resulting in a one cent EPS loss. In the end, $2.23 core EPS was $0.08 above the top of our guidance range. Moving to slide 14, which provides an update on the additional protections added to the reserve to account for the pandemic uncertainty in 2021. During the quarter, the mortality was slightly higher than expected. This results in an experience loss in Canada, while in the U.S. it was offset by the carry-forward provision arising from better-than-expected mortality in the first half of 2021. Please note that there is, is, there is still a carry-forward provision amount available in the U.S. for potential use in the future. As for adverse police order behavior, the additional protection remains intact as no adverse experience was recorded during the quarter. As shown on slide 15, we maintain a very strong financial position with a solvency ratio of 131%, well above our target range. In Q3, the increase in the ratio was supported by continued organic capital generation, while the impact of market-related variation was slightly unfavorable. Now to slide 16, which shows that the equivalent of eight percentage points can be added to our solvency ratio to reflect our distinctive market protection enhancing the robustness of our capital position. Organic capital generation was again very strong this quarter at about uh, under 150 million and after 9 months we have already exceeded our target for the year Organic generation is highly dependent on profit of course but it is also correlated with the macroeconomic environment and the business mix in Q3 all this factor had a positive impact on organic generation. I now refer you to slide 17. The annual review of actuarial assumptions has begun and will be finalized in the coming weeks. Although the final outcome is still unknown, we expect a non significant impact on the fourth quarter results. To conclu- conclude, we enter Q four well positioned and confident that core EPS for the last quarter of twenty twenty one should be at the top and or above our guidance range, provided that financial market and the evolution of the pandemic remain favourable. Our good results are expected to continue in twenty twenty two. Although some items that were extremely favorable in 2021, such as our PNC and car loan results, may be less so in 2022. In closing, a few more words about the year 2022, during which we will be transitioning to IFRS 17. Our preparation for the transition continues to progress well, and thanks to our long-term and economically-based management approach, we have a strong capital position and will be comfortably positioned to move under the new accounting standard. Operator, we will now take questions.
1: Thank you. If you are an analyst and would like to register a question, please press the 1-4 on your telephone. You will hear a three-tone prompt to acknowledge your request. If your question has been answered and you would like to withdraw your registration, please press the 1 followed by the 3. Once again, to register a question, please press the 1-4 on your telephone. One moment, please, for the first uh, question.
5: Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? Com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.
6: Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about, in your career, relationships, and your finances. Feels like progress. The Chime credit bill Visa credit card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members of FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details.
1: Our first question comes from Gabriel Deschenes with National Bank Financial. Please proceed. Uh,
7: good morning. Or afternoon, sorry. Uh, yeah, the. But- just, a, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I've asked this before, but the PNC business just keeps uh, knocking the ball out of the park here, and uh, I'm just wondering how we should, you know, look at, you know, the the, the profitability over the past three quarters relative to that, uh, you know, $13 million expected level that you put in your slide, uh, excluding seasonality, whatever. Does that differential represent, you know, what the uh, you know normalization of PNC profits could be? Or, um, you know, is this a business that's just simply more profitable than it ever has been because you've done, you know, repricing and taken other action?
2: It's Denis here, uh, Gabriel. Thanks for the question. Um, uh, if you look back uh, in 2020, let's say Q2, and before that, the run rate was um, something around uh, 13 million, and that's what we kept in terms of guidance. And what you've seen over the last six quarters is uh, amazingly uh, much better, obviously. Um, we had, I mean, I would say that the answer probably on a long-term basis is some, somewhere in between those, those two numbers, because what, when you think about it, we've made a lot of changes in our, um, you know, pricing of those products um, over the last uh, several years, and uh, we were already starting just before the pandemic to get the benefit out of it, and it was uh, it was accelerating, so I, w- I would say that the long-term it would be somewhere in between.
7: Okay, uh, something we should talk about a bit more in detail off, off in another forum. Uh, now, it's more of a philosophical, long-term picture type of question here. But if I look at uh, this year's growth, you know, a, a big chunk of it coming in from IES accretion, the PNC business, uh, auto lending, the the, the lower P, the lo- loan losses, uh, and now you've made this Surex acquisition. I mean, I'm spending more time talking about you know, auto-related and PMC businesses when it comes to industrial alliance. Very little talking about individual insurance because that's you know kind of not a topical these days. Do you you know I I don't know why you've structured your business in a certain way, but uh, to be more capital light and all that. But you know, is is the direction you're going with this company more of a you know financial conglomerate type uh, structure, uh, or is that just the way you know the trends are, you know, are going these days, and you know your diversified business. Some some are doing well right now. Others will pick up the slack down the road. That type of thing. Bit of a,
2: you know, complex question there, but uh, hoping you can, you know,
7: talk a bit about that.
2: Well, hopefully, the end, I got an easy answer for that. Um, I mean, we've we've shown at our investor event the three different categories of businesses, and it's still in the package. And that's the way we look at our businesses and and the way you should position Surex, for example is really a support business the same way as iO to and home is a support business now we're not buying a manufacturer and we don't intend to be a manufacturer of PNC. Um we basically bought a distribution shop but the idea is to do what we're doing in Quebec in the way in Quebec we are basically making some revenue synergies out of i o to and home uh, with the referral programs with either dealership de- uh, dealerships or with the career network or you know like The life insurance reps, well, we're trying to do the same outside Quebec with uh, the acquisition of of Sharex. So, I mean, you can can see we have a lot of businesses. We are conglomerate. But at the end of the day, you really have to put them into categories. We have our foundation business, which are still, you know, uh, our main core business, individual insurance, you know, wealth management. And the other businesses are are really there, either the high growth or to support those uh, businesses where we want to be a leader, basically, at the end of the day. Hopefully,
7: that answers you any, your question. It, it does. Uh, do you have any stats on, I guess, cross-sell from individual insurance into PNC products in, uh, in Quebec? Because it's like going the other way from, well, individual insurance clients in, you know, BC or whatever to buy P, uh, PNC products through you. Is there any kind of benchmark that, that you have for Quebec?
2: Well, I can tell you one thing: is that when I look at the sales of IOTO and home in Quebec, Uh, The the majority of the sales are coming from, uh, let's say, uh, traditional networks like the carrier networks or the dealer uh, business, Uh, although we do some direct-to-consumer, but uh, the the vast majority comes from, I would say something around 75%, comes from the synergies between other sectors.
8: All right. Thank you. Our next question comes from Manny Grauman with Scotiabank. Please proceed.
9: Hi. Good afternoon. Uh, Jacques, I just wanted to make sure that I I heard you correctly. I think you were suggesting um, some positive experience in Q4 for the U.S. dealer services business. I just want to check that and and if that's the case and understand better why you you believe that's uh, likely to be the case.
4: Thank you, many for the question. Yes, right. That's what I said. Uh, actually, we're refining uh, the accounting. There's many different uh, operations. I has gone through many acquisitions recently, so we're just uh, harmonising all the uh, approaches and uh, the way of accounting uh, for those different businesses. And we thought we would be able to complete the work in Q3. We were not able. So uh, the part that we book in Q3 has had a negative impact. Uh, it's part of the result. But what's coming, what we have identified since that time is in positive territory. I would say between 2 and $0.05. Cents. That's what we have. But we are not completed yet. We, ex- we believe we will complete it in Q4. But so far, there's positive coming. And it's really related to the business here today.
2: And 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 Cindy here. The, the good news is that when you look at the the, the year in total, you know, with the um, what Jacques is just saying right now, you know, the expectation is that we're going to be higher than uh, what was expected at the beginning of the year. And at the same time, the business is growing significantly. So so far, we're pretty happy with uh, with that business.
9: Got it. And and then just um, if I'm looking at it at a high level, it sounds like you're suggesting somewhat of a normalization uh, in your P and C business, also on the credit side, uh, of the auto loan business. Where's the offset there? As you looked at twenty twenty two, what's what's likely to uh you know improve uh, in into next year? Um you know when I when I hear you talk about uh, dealer services in particular it sounds like uh, supply issues will still be a problem. So where is the Where's the upside as you look to 2022 in terms of uh, in terms of the results?
4: Actually, uh, I would say it's it's really a tough question because you know what we we're still in a pandemic. Uh, if you look in the U.S., I believe the life has has come back to normal much more quickly than in Canada. Can we see that today they are in a normal situation? Maybe not, but they are closer than in Canada. In 2022, we will return gradually to normality. So there are things that will set down for, settle down for sure. We have had good experience PNC uh, credit loan experience. We have had some negative as well. If you look at mortality, uh, also group insurance that has been affected negatively. So it's very tough to set which place we will return to normal and so on. The best. The best guidance I can provide today, and we will provide the guidance uh, when we will disclose the Q4 results, but it will be quite a a wide range that I will give you, but that's maybe the best we can do for today. So if you use the 631 after nine months, you add uh, the top of the guidance provided for Q4, so it brings us to 841. Um, I would say that uh, you cannot expect a 10% increase over that. So, this is the top, uh, really the top, top, top uh, of the range that you can have. And uh, we used to increase our guidance year after year by 10%. So, if you use mid guidance of 2021 and raise it by 10%, it's the bottom of the, the range. So, it will be in between those two and it will vary about the pace. So, we will finalize that and we will come with a guidance with. What's our best view for next year?
9: Thanks for that.
8: Our next question comes from Tom McKinnon with BMO Capital Markets.
1: Please
2: proceed.
10: Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, good afternoon. Um a quick clarification and then uh, um and then a follow on question. Uh a Jacques the two to five cents. U.S. dealer services that you identified in the fourth quarter, is is that an experience gain? Is that kind of an expense experience gain, just sort of uh, reversing what was done in the third quarter? Is that how we should be looking at that?
4: No, it's not a reversal of what happened in third quarter. Actually, if you look at that division, there are three types of, I would say, income. You have the admin services that you're providing. For the admin services, most of the revenue is earned in the first year because that's where the services, most of the services, is provided. If you look at uh, after that the insurance part, because uh, of course there's uh, a lot of dealer, we, we, we pass some experience to a lot of dealers, to reinsurance deal et cetera, but we're keeping some of that underwriting risk as well. For this one, we, we sell a premium and the premium will, uh, the, the, the profit will be earned over the life of the contract. And after that, there's uh, what we call a clip fee when you have an insurance company that are backing an obligor. And for that part, also it's insurance. So this profit is earned over the, 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 the life of the contract over five years. So uh, we have discovered by moving to IFRS 4, uh, IFRS 4, <laughs> I'm confused sometimes with IFRS 17, sorry for that. Uh, So we discovered that practices were not uh, exactly the same for all the different businesses. So what we're doing now, we're moving to a similar approach for all of them. So that's really what is happening here.
10: Okay, so that that is actually going to be an expected profit and not not an experience gain, correct?
4: Uh, it would be, uh, I would say, an experience gain because experience profit is already uh, booked uh, as the expected, but it will add to the total profit. But we will okay. see what will be the experience of Q4. Uh, but if, okay. we were, if we would have recorded it in Q3, it would have added to the expected profit. It would have been a gain. Okay.
10: And uh, if... Now my question is on expenses though it seems like the expenses were higher in dealer services as a result of sales bonuses. Uh, is that going to continue into the fourth quarter if sales continue to be strong? and then if I look in the group retirement group savings and retirement, you had an experience loss there related to higher expenses as well. So um, can you talk about um, what drove the expense increase in the quarter and more importantly, do you see what are you doing?
4: going forward to be able to perhaps curtail those expenses. That's a good observation, uh, Tom. Uh, actually, uh, of course, when you have such level of sales, you can expect that expenses will be higher. So uh, it, it's part of, uh, of the, the equation for sure. Another part of it also, uh, we mentioned at our investor day that we have many digital initiatives. And for those uh, initiatives, you know, there are some expenses that have to be spent. You cannot capitalize all expenses there. So this brings also some noise uh, quarter to quarter in the different lines of business. So uh, that's really what is happening with the expenses.
10: Okay, that's great. And the last question is just on the U.S. uh, individual insurance. Uh, You know, the sales were great in 2019 and 2020. Now, um, you know, the decline, is the decline year over year just because they were so good then and you can't really continue that pace? Or what's sort of happening with the market here? Why were things so good before and then they're starting to uh, uh, decline
8: now with respect to U.S. individual insurance? I guess
2: it's for you, Mike.
3: Yeah. uh, Thanks for the question, Tom. You've kind of, I'd say, read the situation pretty accurately uh, we we had a great run, you know, through the say the previous three, four, or five years. Um, things are kind of flattening off, and uh, uh, I'd say uh, uh, the market uh, continues to grow because you know the demographics, as much as anything. And I think people are more interested in insurance these days. Um, and uh, you know, I, I think you know we're we're continuing to. Uh, we're continuing to, uh, work hard on growth and, and grow our sales. Um, but, uh, it's probably not going to run at the rate we saw, you know, it, you know, the, say 15, 16, 17% that we saw, uh, three or four years ago. But, uh, we, you know, we're not giving up. I mean, it's just, uh, we try to grow our sales at least 10% every year. So, uh, you know, a lot of us just, uh, getting out there recruiting and, and, uh, Finding new, finding new, new distribution. So, uh, yeah, we continue to try to grow that business, but it is slowing down a bit.
8: Okay, thanks for that. Our next question comes from Scott Chan
1: with Canaccord Genuity. Please proceed.
11: Uh, good
12: afternoon. If I, um, if I just focus in on expected profit and look at your wealth management. Uh, in your SIP, you did uh, you did 80 million this quarter versus 67 last quarter. I mean, the 80 um, is uh, is a record high if I kind of look back. Uh, was there something unusual that that happened this quarter to drive that, or with the asset growth and the expected asset growth we're seeing in Q4, uh, we should see that number uh, kind of turn a bit higher.
4: It's really a good, great market performance uh, as well as the net fund entries. That's really the sum of it here.
12: So, if those persist, then that should be higher in subsequent quarters?
4: I'm sorry, could you repeat? The sound is not uh, great. I'm sorry, Scott. Uh,
12: Yeah, you you talked about the market performance um, and the net fund entries, which I think in Q4 is a lot better than Q3. So um, from what I'm hearing from you, that should continue to drive better expected profit going forward.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's Denny here. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, we, uh, we do reevaluate the expected profit on Enforce uh, each quarter. And when you have a good market, good uh, net entries, um, obviously, you know, this goes up.
12: And, and just on the seg fund sales, and then you launched new products, and I think the new products were, the four new products were were kind of post quarter. But is it is 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 the sales within the segment more industry related, like COVID related, or is it more specific to IEG? You think? This is uh,
0: this is honey, uh speaking. Thanks for the questions. I think you need to look at it in twofold. Um, what we are doing at IE, at IE and, and uh, Mike mentioned it—you know—the strong di- distribution, the technology, as well as uh, our fund lineup that is very, very competitive. Uh, externally, of course, you, you know we see the, the, the client behavior with the COVID—people having more savings in their pocket and the market being positive. So that's a tailwind for us that is really uh, helping the business. So it's really in two fold, external and internal.
8: Okay, got it. Thank you very much. Our next question comes from Doug Young with
1: Desjardins Capital Markets. Please proceed.
11: Uh, good afternoon. Just back on Surex, uh, the acquisition. Uh, I just want to confirm. Uh, Denny, you're, you're not signaling that you're looking to expand your PNC insurance manufacturing outside of Quebec. Like, that's not what this is about. And then maybe just to tag on, it looks like if I look at slide nine, you know, this business is going to lose money on a net basis over the next three years, um, but be uh, flat on a core basis. And I'm just curious as to what you think the return on capital, like, what, what is the return on capital you expect to get from this business, and how quickly do you get it there?
2: Uh, thanks for the question, Doug. Uh, well, the answer is very clear on your. Uh, the answer is very clear on your first question. We have no intention to become a manufacturer of uh, PNC outside Quebec. Um, it's really a distribution play here. And uh, regarding your second point, uh, the, um, the question was uh, remind me what the question was. I have the blank for a second. The, the
4: question was the return on that. Oh, yeah,
2: the return. Thing? Well, in fact, for the return, um, it's okay. What's going on here? Obviously, when we looked at it, we um, we basically made uh, you know projections, assumptions as to the kind of synergies that we can get out of the, this business, and most of the synergies are going to be revenue synergies. And so um, we, uh, we we don't show it here, obviously, but uh, you know we have a model where we um, we are going to make some return out of it, and the return at the end of the day we expect will be higher. Than you know the target range that uh, that we do target, and, but it includes the fact that we have some uh, synergies in between the, some sectors.
11: And those synergies are just
2: through your distribution partners, basically cross-selling
11: through your yeah. agents that you deal with PNC Insurance. And and I'm right that this is going to lose money on a net basis, but it's going to be flat on a core basis. Is that correct?
2: Well, um, yes. Yes, 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 you're right. But uh, but at the end of the day, it does not include. Any synergies that we can have, uh, you know, we we have not modeled. When we see that it's going to sure. be a kind of kind of neutral or you know, a bit negative, you know, for the next three years, it does not include any synergies from other businesses.
11: And then, what division, Jacques, is this going to be reported through?
2: Well, that business is going to report to the IO to Okay, so it's uh, okay.
11: And then. Second, on U.S. dealer services, just a few things. I mean, I think it was mentioned that uh, your experience was negative uh, because you had higher claims. Hopefully, hoping you, you can maybe just unpack that. And then, Mike, the sales up 33%, you know, was attributed to synergies. I assume that's cross-sell. Can you maybe talk a little bit about that? Um, what what are some of the key drivers for that increase of 33%? Is it mix-shift? Is it uh, – anyways, I'll leave it there so you
8: can – give us a little more detail. Mike?
3: Sure. There's he had a <clears throat> question before that question, but I've <clears throat> I'll leave it to you guys. Um yeah on, on the uh, on the sales side thirty three percent number is um is is pretty good. Um the synergy issue is, is kind of an interesting one. You know, one of the first synergies we identified when we got into the IS file was uh, that uh, they were using a lot of third-party insurance companies to basically write the clip coverage on on uh, the business they sold. So we had a project going last year to transition all of that or most of that business to uh, our insurance company, which is called DAC. Um, and so that that kicked in at, uh, basically the start of this year, and uh, that business is now getting. Re- re- recorded or reported as as sales for us and that's about half of the growth that you're seeing um in in the third quarter There's higher growth numbers in the previous quarters because we didn't own is the first half but at any rate uh it's you know uh, a better measure now and then you know basically we've got some other tailwinds that that have been you know supporting this business and and good news from our standpoint you know i think we've done well with um You know, our our sales mix—we get about 50% of our sales from used car uh, sales or activity, and the used car market's been, you know, stronger than the new car market. Uh, You know, that's well documented. Uh, And and at this point, we're starting to see increased penetration at at dealerships of F&I products, which is kind of normal in a situation where you've got a market slowdown. So that—that's another tailwind. And finally, we've been uh, we've been signing up new accounts too, which always helps. And uh, so overall, very positive result. Um, And you know, we want to keep the momentum going as best we can. And
11: Uh, Mike, the the first, sorry, go ahead, John.
4: Doug, Doug, the the question about claim uh, claim is a little bit higher, but not that much higher, and it's normal. It, it's really return to normal life, like uh, I mentioned earlier, in the U.S., they are uh, ahead of Canada, we see in, in terms of return to normal, so it's normal that claim has increased a little bit. Okay.
11: So, nothing unusual. Okay. Thank you.
8: Our next question comes from Paul Holden with CIBC World Markets. Please proceed. Uh,
13: thank you. Good afternoon. So first question goes back to the uh, P&C business and the expected normalization there. I'm assuming some of the um, positive experience in the quarter is attributable to the auto business specifically. So maybe you can address that and address, in terms of the uh, normalization, some of the cost inflation we're seeing in the industry and particularly out of the U.S. auto insurers. It seems to be. Major talking point for this quarter. You didn't see that. Do you expect to see it in future quarters?
4: In in PNC, we're back to uh, pre pandemic um, uh, driving behaviors. So you see their results that are in line, slightly better than expected, but it's mostly on home insurance that that we've seen some some positive uh, increases
8: of profitability.
13: Um, second question is related to the organic capital generation came in at um, one hundred and fifty million this quarter versus the normalized expected run rate of seventy five. So wondering what is accounting for that extra seventy five. And then two, given the type of growth you're putting up in these capital light businesses, would suggest there's some kind of upside to your current guided guidance range, so maybe you can address that as well.
4: well it's uh, Jacques speaking. Actually, the organic capital generation, uh, there's four, four items to it. First one, profit. Profit has been great since the beginning of the year, and we intend that it will continue in the future. second item is the mix of business, like you you just said, and uh, capital light businesses, if you look at our sales results since the beginning of the, the, the year, uh, mutual fund, uh, low-guarantee stake fund, as well as the dealer business in the U.S., they are all on fire and it's helping a lot. And even when we look at individual insurance, uh, the mix is favorable so far. So we'll, continue, we'll try to continue to work uh, to that it will continue to, to go that way for sure. And the third one is uh, uh, the economic condition. And on that, I will uh, refer you to look at the SEG fund guarantee risk risk on the rolling 9. You will see that last year, actually, uh, we have to put more capital aside to support those guarantees, while this year is completely the reverse. And uh, it has to do, actually, with the good economic conditions, the increase in long-term interest rates in Q1, and the good market performance. That's another thing. And the fourth element is the management actions we're doing uh, every quarter to keep our risk profile within our risk appetite and tolerances. And some of those transactions may, have, may need some require capital to support them. Some of them may be neutral. Some of them may be positive. And since the beginning of the year, actually, the first quarter, we were uh, those transactions were uh, requiring some capital, while in Q3, they were neutral. So those, all, all the four elements were very positive in Q3. When I look for next year, I can say that, it will be much larger, our expectation will be that, I'm touching wood here, that uh, condition market condition will continue, uh, economic condition will continue, and uh, if we keep the pace with that mix of business, we can, I would say, guide towards something like 450, 500 million of organic capital generation for t- 2022.
13: current guidance. Interesting. Okay. That's um that's great. And I think um I think that's all the questions I had. Thank you.
1: Our next question comes from Lamar Persol with Comark Securities. Please proceed.
11: Hi, my question is on the uh group insurance business and what drove uh flat car loan originations uh this quarter. I guess I would have expected more of a slowdown reflecting some of the inventory issues. So maybe you could you could touch on that and then you know offer some commentary on the outlook heading into Q4 and into 2022 and you know maybe give us an update of when you think these inventory shortages might be coming to an end. Is it a 2022 or 2023 and beyond issue? So a lot in there. Uh, hoping any color would be uh, helpful. This is uh,
4: Francois here. So uh, on, on the sales side, uh, we, we did see some slowdowns in, in Q3 with, uh, with uh, loan originations uh, and uh, as well on the, um, the insurance and warranty side for, uh, for the car insurance. So uh, although July was uh, pretty positive, then we saw the, the, the most part of the, the, um, of the slowdown happening after that. And we do expect that it will linger in uh, Q4 and beginning of uh, in Q1 as, as well in 2022. Uh, with some more uh, getting back to normal here after uh, this uh,
8: these, this rough patch. Okay, so it's likely going to continue in, in 2022, and uh, you know maybe yeah,
2: maybe too. <laughs> well, it's very dependent on the car sales as well. Here. So so we know that for the next two quarters, you know, it's going to be some softening. But we believe that it's going to be back to normal, you know, somewhere in 2022. Um, and uh, we don't see any reason why our competitive, uh, let's say positioning would deteriorate at that point.
11: Okay, great. Thank you.
8: Our next question comes from Mario Medonka with TD Securities. Please proceed. Good afternoon.
14: Uh, this might be best for Jacques. Uh, when i When I learn about a company benefiting let 's say from much lower credit losses in the auto business or really good claims experience in p and c, my mind immediately goes to what is the company doing to prepare for the flip side so as it relates to the, the credit insurance, uh, is there anywhere in the disclosure where the company talks about the level of allowances relative to those loans? I see a billion forty nine million in auto, non, non-prime finance receivables and in, in dealer services, which of course are the car loans. Does the company disclose anywhere uh, what the level of allowances uh, the company holds against those loans and how that's changed over time?
2: Uh, I, it's Denny here. I think I'll take that question uh, because uh, I was there when we started, we entered that business. <laughs> I'm, I'm the cause of this, I guess. Um, you know, the expectation for us uh, going forward is a credit loss of about uh, 5%. I mean, on the long-term basis, that's what uh, we think we would get out of the quality of the portfolio we have. You, and you may remember when we bought CTL, we were much above the 5%, uh, something around 8%, because the, we were at the beginning, we were more on the subprime side, and then we moved towards more, and more the near prime as, a, as opposed to a subprime. So the expectation is this, something around 5%. Um, so the idea right now is that we are at 2. Point, I think it's 2.4, but we believe that it will gradually go back to the 5%. And obviously, the provisioning or our allowance will adjust as we as we go there. It's going to take some time uh, to get there. Uh, so that, that's that's basically how I see um, this moving forward.
14: But D- Denis, does the company currently apply IFRS 9 to this loan book?
2: I think I'll leave Jacques on that question.
8: So, uh,
4: okay, uh, maybe my mic was closed. Sorry for that.
14: Uh, The answer is no. So, presumably, the company will apply IFRS 9 in 2023 in conjunction with IFRS 17. Is that the expectation? You're correct. Okay, so as of right now, there are no performing loan uh, reserves against that book of business. Is that right?
4: We have provision. Uh, we have provision, but the provision is not built the same way as under. Uh, it's not pro-cyclical it is for IFRS 9. You know IFRS 9, what it will bring to the table. As soon as you have a short-term, I would say, uh, bad experience, you have to assume that bad experience will last forever. The reverse, if it's good. Now, what we have is a provision that has more a long-term, mid-term view. So this is more stable, but we have a provision. So am I correct to assume that right now the company
14: doesn't disclose what the provision is or the allowance against that book? That's not disclosure that you're prepared to provide.
4: No, we have not provided it. What we have provided is now the extra provision we put in place last year because of COVID.
14: Okay. And and a similar question as it relates to the P&C business. Um, The claims have been very good. What I'm, what I'd like to know is, uh, has the experience even been that much better and the company's building up some IBNR in anticipation of a deterioration in claims experience? Like, where, where does the, the reserves for prior year development, where does that sit in the P&C business? Have you been setting aside additional reserves to prepare for the reversal?
4: Actually, this is annual pricing policy. Those policies are repriced every year. So it's not long term policies. So uh, what we have right now is uh, provision according to the actuary standards. That's the way we manage the business. And uh, what will happen next year will be a return to normality. Francois was referring that on the auto side, we have a return to reality. Uh, but the, the, uh, we, we will see where it where will come there. But actually, uh, there's no pressure on pricing. I would say that the most important thing is probably pressure on pricing from competition that may reduce the profit. And we are not seeing that for the moment.
14: And my final question is a more broad, general question. The interest rates have become a lot more volatile recently, and expectations for the short end have moved a fair bit in the last few weeks in Canada and and even around the world. Uh, I want to resist the temptation to assume that higher rates are always necessarily good for life insurance companies. Is there anything you want to alert us to uh, about this volatility that could impact the company in 2022? Either in terms of policy or anything else?
4: Yeah, actually... uh... We, we have uh, the risk of our, our, our position. For sure, 2022, we will transition to IFRS 17, which is something that is important. But the most important thing for life insurance, we have very long-term commitment to policyholders, so a rise in long-term interest rate will be beneficial. Sometimes it doesn't show on the metric. It couldn't We could uh, uh, just remember what happened in Q1 when when our ratio reduced, when interest rate uh, increased. Uh, But over the long term, it's really positive. Okay, thank you. You're welcome.
8: Our next question comes from Darko Mihalik
1: with RBC Capital Markets. Please proceed
15: hi thank you just quickly want to return to mike your comment on the third party uh, sales uh, synergy uh, between ias and dac this quarter is that like a one and done um kind of synergy or or will there be improved sales from here on um yeah
3: good question um darko um it's um it is from from a sales reporting standpoint. It's, it's you know we we pick up additional sales this year and in future years, but there's no more growth. Like it just it'll carry on going forward. Uh, there is you know, but in my mind, the real synergy is on the profit, which is amortized over the lifetime of the contract. So there will be ongoing growth and profit over the next four or five years. Um, is, is the way I look at it. Because Jacques, you might want to add a comment there.
8: Nothing to add,
3: Mike.
8: Okay. Okay. Thank you for that. And then just a, a, a follow-up,
15: um, and and this question is for Denny. Denny, when I – you know, going back to some of the questions that were thrown at you today um, with respect to the sort of the long-term strategy of how you're building your company, um, you know, you, wh- where I from where I sit, when I look at all of the life insurance companies that operate out of Canada, all of them um, have been deploying capital in capital-light businesses. Uh, all of them, to some degree or another, have been reducing long-tail insurance. Uh, I think of Great West with the big reinsurance. I think of Sun Life uh, exiting annuities. I think of Manulife exiting many legacy businesses that are long-tail in nature, um, and and building wealth businesses and other capital-light. So I guess you know when I look at. What you've been doing recently, it also seems to be going down that path, um, and and so, I guess the question is, you know, you mentioned that you're still like a long-term, um, and you, you know, you, you're still like the long-term business, but all things considered, um, are you not going down the path? Like, why not commit to going down to suggesting that you are going down the path of going to shorter tail business? business and away from the long-tail long-term life insurance business
2: so I will, I will make a couple of distinctions uh, this is a great question Darko. Um, yes we are going yes we are going into the capital light business but that does not mean that it uh, let's say we go away from individual insurance business for example which are like long-term business the idea is risk management who's bearing the risk at the end of the day. And there are products in the life insurance world, for example, where the risk is being borne by, by the client or is being shared by the client and, and the company. So the, the idea for us is to move away as much as possible from high-capital-intensive business, which some of them, I mean, the low-capital business could be also a long-term business. Okay, You see my point? There's a, there's a nuance here that is important. We are leaders in sectors where we have long-term business, and we're going to stay in those businesses. But at the same time, we want to develop businesses that are capital-light. Some of them are, let's say, short-term in their nature. Um, so that's the way you should look at it. I mean, and, and it pays off. When you look at the ROE that we are generating uh, this year, it's no coincidence. It's not, it's not luck. It's the fact that we have chosen over the years to move away from, uh, let's say, long-term guarantee products with high capital a very intensive product because what because of the accounting and the regulatory regime choose long-term guarantee
15: okay that's a that's a fair point with the nuance um, I, I get that uh, my last question is just a very quick follow-up to um, Jacques Jacques you mentioned in your prepared remarks that you know you were looking at IFRS 17 carefully with respect to strain um, You know, maybe we can follow up offline, but my understanding is strain is strain um, under, you know, you you may call the contract onerous under IFRS 17, but really there's no difference given the fact that you produce strain now. I mean, strain will come through a strain in IFRS 17. So what what in particular are you alluding to with respect to that changeover and with respect to strain? Actually, there are
4: strain moving parts. When we will transition to IFRS 17, uh, there's the CSM that you can—you are not allowed to front-end profit. But for us, there are also other uh, elements, like we no longer require to keep the stock market protection. We don't need to have a margin for interest rate risk uh, and uh, non-attributable expenses. So overall, when we look at the situation, we are quite confident that the level of strain we're having here will be pretty much the same level of strain we will have when we will look at our contract. We don't have that many contracts that are qualified as onerous, so that's really where we are sitting. And we have been prudent over the previous years because of that fact. We didn't want to be in a situation where we will reverse uh, the, the profit.
15: Okay, thanks. I think maybe we'll follow up on that. Uh, thanks very much, Jacques. I appreciate that.
8: You're
7: welcome.
1: We have a follow-up from uh, Gabriel Deschenne with National Bank Financial.
7: Hey, I, I just want to clarify something you mentioned earlier, Jacques. So, uh, talking about this year's profits running, you know, above the target range pretty consistently, but uh, also cautioning that. You know, 10% growth off of, you know, what annualized uh, EPS could be is probably a bit more optimistic. But I was more interested in hearing about the, you know, how you get to the low end of next year's range. You would use the midpoint of this year's target range, which is around 790, and grow that by 10%. And that would be the low end of next year's range, roughly. Oh, actually... What you said?
4: Uh... No, that, that's not i – I'm sorry if that it came across like that. That's not what I intended to do. I was just giving – the guidance would be provided in Q4 in February when we will table our, our Q4 results. I was just trying to give you an idea about what could be a, a low and what could be a high, but it won't be the guidance. The guidance will be worked on during Q4 and table uh, in February. Uh, uh, okay.
2: Another way to put, uh, Gabrielle, Another way to look at it is that you know traditionally we would we, would have, we said in some years that uh, the guidance was last year guidance uh, increased by 10%. Okay, so if if you do that this year, uh, that would be way too too low because uh, there, there are some benefits that uh, we've, we've encountered this year, and mm-hmm. uh, we're saying we're saying that it would be uh, way too conservative to to do that. On the other hand, if you take the actual results of 2021 projected let's see with the uh, the high end of the range for the for q4 um, yeah.
16: and
2: you and you add 10 out of it that would be probably too much so you you see the right. point here i
7: saw i see that point i was just trying to get to uh, uh how you formulate your guidance for next year like uh based off of guidance from uh for we
2: don't the, we don't uh, formulate uh, it it's going <laughs> to be in q4 <laughs> Okay, okay,
8: all right. Uh thanks. But
1: I uh never mind. Thanks, bye. Mr. Ricard, there are no further questions at this time.
2: Thank you. Thanks a lot for being at that call. It's funny because uh, I haven't got any questions about capital allocation, which I guess I will take advantage of my concluding remarks to just talk a bit about about it. As you as you've heard and seen our um, generation of capital is very, very strong, and is going to be strong uh, next year, thanks to the initiatives we, we took to uh, uh, move away from, uh, you know, uh, capital-intensive business. So the idea for us, obviously, is to focus on growth because uh, organic growth, because of our current businesses, are bringing very, very interesting, um, you know, ROE. Um, and obviously, um, whenever the uh, restrictions on capital, on sorry, on dividend is, is lifted, we will increase the. Um, the, uh, the dividend. Um, so if uh, for any reason, uh, whether this week or next week or in a month, the regulator uh, lifted their restrictions, next quarter uh, we're going to increase the dividend and our intention is to move uh, towards uh, close to the or at the uh, center of our, the mid uh, of our range, mid target of our, how do you see that, in the middle of the, our target range uh, based on core, uh, on core earnings. Uh, NCIB, uh, there's a, I guess that's the last resort to some extent, and obviously we are continuing, continuously looking at uh, opportunities, acquisition, we've, we've just announced one, um, so nothing major I guess for the next year uh, in, in my radar, but certainly something we are uh, always looking at. So that concludes uh, this conference, thanks, uh, and I think that Marianique Bonneau is going to continue, she's got a message for you guys.
0: In closing, uh, in closing, I just want to draw your attention on the date of our next uh, disclosure. Indeed, our Q4 2021 results will be released on February 16, 2022, after market close, and the conference call will be held on the following day, February 17, 2022. So this now concludes the call. Thank you, Hall.
1: That does conclude the conference call for today. We thank you for your participation and ask that you please disconnect your line.
6: The Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members of FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details.
16: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.
0: Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.